Today's show is sponsored by CastCartel.com, your premium spirits marketplace. They are like the Amazon of the spirits industry. What you can do is go to CastCartel.com. They will match you up with retailers that want to sell you liquor over the internet. Yes, some of the allocated stuff is going to cost more. It's because it's convenient. You don't have to wait in line. You don't have to go to a raffle. You don't have to camp out overnight. You can go to CastCartel.com and get it shipped directly to your door. The daily drinkers are going to be more on par with what you would find in the store. So check them out for yourselves. Go to cascartel.com. Follow them at cascartel on Instagram. They're always doing awesome giveaways for their followers. Today's show is also sponsored by distilleryproducts.com, your source to get wholesale glassware, custom laser etched glass. If you are a store, if you are a distillery, if you are a bourbon group, reach out to me. I will get you in touch with Carson and Janie and Vicky and all the good folks over at distilleryproducts.com. If you go to any distillery, chances are they are using distilleryproducts.com for their glassware and they have options awesome wholesale prices. We use them for our dad's drinking bourbon glasses. I know a bunch of other people that use them too. You can get Glens, We Glens, the Kenzie Dram, the Tipsy Dram, a regular rocks glass, the Tua, the Neat Glass. They're the only place in North America where you can get a custom laser etched neat glass. Check them out. Distilleryproducts.com. Reach out to me. I would love to get you in touch with them. everyone my name is john edwards and with me as always is deke baker and together we make the dad's drink of bourbon wherever you are whatever time it is thank you for making us a part of your day hey bud now we don't have a cold open i think we had a long week you were snowed in i was snowed in we weren't going anywhere although i did go out a little bit because my truck has four-wheel drive we were sledding we were playing with the kids. I think you had to pick your kids up a hill like 18 times and you got a little winded. Pretty sure 18 was an understatement to pull 100 pounds up a sled. <laughs> well, a hill on a sled, rather. You're just working on those legs because you're not doing any weightlifting any other time. I was working on my back and shoulders too and my elbows because they all hurt the next day. So I like tuck my jeans into my boots, you know, like before I lace them up so that, you know, they don't get you know, soaked from all the ice and snow and whatever. The next morning I go to get in the shower and like, man, as soon as the hot water hits my shins, it just like hurts. I mean, like my shins feel like they're chafed or galled or something. And I'm like, what in the hell happened to my legs? Like, how do you get like chafed shins? And then it dawns on me, ah, oh, where I tuck my jeans in my boots and then lace the boots up tight. I bet every time I was walking or pulling them up that damn hill and everything, it just kept like rubbing on my legs and like rubbed off the top layer of skin. See, that's a rookie move to have the jeans in the boots. You just got to have the the jeans go over the boots because the other problem you have is those jeans get wet and that's what it is. It's not just the fact that your jeans were in the boots. It's the fact that if your jeans get wet at all and then they're inside your boots, your chafing is just going to double. Again, that was why they were tucked into the boot so they don't get wet. All I know is I was the only one in my neighborhood, kid or adult, who actually had snow gear. <laughs> I want to know how if you don't tuck your jeans into your boots, you keep them dry. The snow pants go over and it blocks snow from coming into your boots. 
I mean, it wasn't the frozen tundra, Edwards. I was wearing jeans and that's it. I had some overalls, a winter coat, snow boots. <laughs> You're acting like you, you got 5% body fat or something. You don't know how to stay warm or like thermoregulated. Oh, I just don't want my pants to get all wet. You could have wore snow pants with no pants. Oh, I didn't wear pants underneath the snow pants. That's what you just said. It was the snow pants went over the jeans. No, no. I said the snow pants go over the boots. Snow pants don't go over jeans. Well, your previous statement was you don't tuck your jeans in because so they don't get wet. No, I meant... That's when you fail. I meant your pants. I just don't tuck pants into boots, period. Ever. Now we are going to drink some Roaming Man. Before we do that, I want to let you know about our friends at Action247.com. We're about to talk about the stats of the whiskey. Stats are also important when you're using your sports book. And Action247 is Tennessee's only sports book by Tennesseans for Tennesseans. Use code DADS100 and they will match up to $100 of your first deposit. And I know that football's over, but guess what, Zeke? FCS football is back. The non-bowling? Well, it's like the tier down from the regular stuff. It's like the equivalent of D1AA. Yeah, sorry, you caught me mid-taste. That's what I was trying to say is like the the non uh what they call it championship bowl thing, whatever, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Action 24-7 has all sorts of good stuff on Thursday, there is a soccer clean sheet. If you bet on total goals for a soccer game, get 30% back. If the game ends 0-0, one bet only. Friday, there is a basketball free bet. Place a $35 bet on basketball. Get $15 free to use on basketball on Saturday and Sunday for SCS football. If you make a $25 bet on any FCS game, you get $12.50 in a free bet. And then also... Saturday and Sunday, there is a goose egg guarantee for every Preds home game. Bet on the total goals. Get a 25% loss refund if there's a scoreless period. There's awesome stuff they're also doing. They're giving away a pair of Preds tickets to the Tuesday, March 2nd game against the Carolina Hurricanes. It's just fun. Zeke has been having fun with it. I've been having fun with it. Obviously, everything in moderation. But check out Action247.com. Use code DADS100. They have a cool app, too. And they are the only place where you can actually go deposit money in person and take money out in person. Get in the action with action247.com. Let's talk about this whiskey, Zeke Baker. It is 51% rye, 45% corn, 4% malted barley. It is three years and six months old. There are 16 barrels in the batch. It was barreled on 116-2017, one day away from your birthday, unfortunately. Tough times. It is non-chill filtered, goes in the barrel at 115.1 proof. I would love to ask Greg sometime why their barrel entry proof is 115.1. And Greg is the distiller over there who is awesome over at Sugarlands. And uh, this comes out at 113.8 proof when all is said and done, 56.9% ABV. That is quite the interesting entry proof, actually. It's a very. I, was, I read. I read this whole little uh, stat card twice, and I did not even notice that. I guess just being used to such standard numbers, it, it never even like popped up on my radar. So Zeke, funny enough, as I'm looking at this sample, I think we got it all wrong because they gave us a card on the inside that said it was batch nine. Our samples are batch ten, and the pre-sale for batch eleven is this Friday. Look at the sample. See, it says batch X. Yeah, so 
FYI for the people listening, we are going to be reviewing batch 10, but the pre-sale for batch 11 is going to be this Friday. It begins Friday, February 26th at 8 a.m. Plan your trip to Gatlinburg to pick up your bottle starting April 16th. You'll have a scheduled pickup and you'll experience a private tasting of Roaming Man and a behind the scenes tour of Sugarland Stillhouse. I mean, I love the information they always give you with this. I know you make fun of me for it, but they give you the whole gas chart, give you the whole flavor wheel. I mean, they're not afraid to tell you what's going on with their stuff. Yeah. And you know, John, I remember uh, one of the the earlier things they sent us already, I guess two or three years ago now, probably was a big, uh, almost like a compendium kind of book looking thing with Lord knows uh, more information than even I could wrap my head around. But I remember you being quite enamored with it. Well, it's still uh, here. It's It's this thing. Oh, you just didn't want to uh, share that part with me. No, you have it in yours as well. You should. No, you cheated me out of that. I didn't cheat you. They sent us the boxes. Uh, so it was laying flat on a top counter and I couldn't quite uh, see it. You know, it's tough when I can't see something. Well, what I like about this graph is it shows the chemical composition changes during maturation, creating complexity and texture. These changes you see are primarily the result of three types of reaction in the barrel. There is the addition of flavor molecules extracted from the wood, including phenols, lactones, and aromatic aldehydes. The breathing of the barrel allows oxygen to react with components in the spirit, and fruity notes are created through esterification. Finally, the loss of highly volatile molecules through evaporation causes more complex, concentrated flavors. So it lets you know what happens throughout the whole process, and I think it's kind of cool. It's impressive to look at, especially if if anyone's more... uh chemistry uh science related they, they would probably be uh, more impressed by it you know a lot of us still at the end of the day say all right well paper's one thing i don't care what the damn pastry paper tastes like Let, let's see uh you know if the proof's in the pudding here let's see what do you think about this one nose i thought it was you know somewhat young and light uh nothing was really strong or overly directional in any any angle i thought that there was more of a corn presence than a rye presence uh it almost kind of reminded me of a uh, like clear Cairo syrup kind of thing. Thought it had uh, a light resin type smell to it, almost like creosote and summer off cross ties and stuff. And I uh, really faintly picked up some ginger snaps on the very back of it. Palette wise, the fact this is a, a rye whiskey, even though the mash bill is 51, 45, and then four, it definitely shows as, as a rye product. I thought a lot more than the nose would allow. Cinnamon was the first thing. Uh, I know it's a textbook, but it definitely is the first thing that jumps out at you. Uh, then some nutmeg. I thought it kind of reminded me of like a spicy pecan thing. It was somewhere in between having enough bite and kick from the ride, also being kind of uh, just nutty in that sense. Also has a really good toward the mid to back palate. Uh, just a blend of allspice, clove, and oranges. It, it really reminded me of wintertime. It was kind of the back and forth to where the orange notes or, or citrus, however you want to look at it, were there, but I wouldn't call it floral. Fruity, yes, but floral, not so much. And even had kind of that that bitter, uh, like the rind aspect to it as well. The snow had nothing to do with this, but I felt like it reminded me of all things winter on the palate. What about the finish? Anything you want to talk about? Nothing really stood out. I mean, a lot of times, especially on some of this younger stuff, uh, you know, it's just hard to get a long finish without having that much time in the wood that kind of creates that drying effect in the back end. And, and it's going to lead you kind of smacking and picking up any flavors that are going to linger. But at the same time, there wasn't anything off-putting and it didn't make any, uh, you know, sudden jerks or turns on the way out. 
So, you know, I like to kind of sprinkle in the pepper sometimes when you and I see eye to eye on a whiskey, and I definitely think we see eye to eye on 90% of this whiskey. What I would add to the nose, I don't necessarily think it's a youth as much as it's kind of that crafty smell to it. I'm trying to discern what's the difference between a youthful smell and a crafty smell. And what I kind of said is this reminds me of how whiskey made in Appalachia should smell. You know, this is something that's made in the mountains seemed appropriate to me fits the aesthetic i think for gatlinburg i did get the ginger as well which i found was a little interesting that you know we both got that the taste for me i agree with you on the spice and the cinnamon the allspice all that i got a rye tingle but not a proof tingle and considering this is 113.8 i found that very very interesting that it wasn't any heat that i got with it it was very much the rye that was tingling my mouth i kind of got a little bit of like unsweet tea with a lemon and coffee had a baby somewhere in the middle of the palate and i know you're gonna laugh about that just because you're gonna be like don't drink coffee anymore but a little bit malty almost in the sense of like the coffee but there's only four percent malt so i know it's not malt i almost wonder if that's where the youth is showing you know yes you can have a rye that is younger and taste more mature but i wonder if it's because it's the 51 percent rye but 45 percent corn if that young corn kind of has an influence there on the taste with that little unsweet tea note to it but overall thought it was very solid i think it gets better and better every release so i'm gonna be very interested to see what edition 11 has but i love what greg is doing out there i love the fact that he is adding rye to the sugarlands lineup which is traditionally more moonshine this is kind of a fun bottle to get it comes in a nice box they do a good job with the marketing behind this one i'm a fan well it's funny you, you did mention the uh the shine component of uh the gatlinburg area because when you threw out the gatlinburg aesthetic <laughs> that was the first thing i thought of was like i don't know man you and i both have been to gatlinburg uh, more than once in the past few years and and the aesthetic is is heavier on the uh the shine than anything well and what i was and and what i was getting at is more like you know a guy that normally makes shine and wants to make some whiskey it's got that kind of down home distilling quality to it it has that craft quality to it especially because it's only 16 barrels and you know they're not using production methods like you know the big boys that can just churn out stuff that all tastes the same i mean i don't know it tastes very working man rye to me <laughs> i mean I, I i think they did good with the mash bill and it being you know it closer to a Kentucky rye than, than some others, um, especially with a new product because, you know, rye can be harder to push and this definitely isn't a strong, you know, just completely rye profile. Uh, let's see other notes I've got here. In your uh, debate over crafty versus young, to me, I thought I was the opposite. I thought this was more of just, you know, somewhat young. When I think of craft and probably like a telltale sign of most of them, it's the ones that use those smaller barrels because almost everything we've had in a smaller barrel just has unique things about the smell and the profile that whether it's a, you know, bourbon rye, whatever kind of whiskey, um, there's just some intangibles that, that almost always seem to be there in the folks that use those smaller barrels. And I didn't find that here. So that, that's why I was kind of on the opposite side of the coin as you of that one. 
you know, if you have it there, and since they were, were nice enough to send it, I did think, so they've got a little card here they gave us along with a, a sample of their white dog. And it shows, uh, you know, most of the flavors on, I guess, the flavor wheel, but it has what will be listed as far as the various aspects of the white dog. And then it has, you know, from the final product, even looking at the ones that, you know, they pre-fill out for you and on the back, you can do your own. Almost everything they have listed is a, a dominant flavor from the white dog. The flavor that's opposite of it is what's raised in the final product here. And I, I actually think that holds pretty well true for the most part. I'm not sure how they decided, you know, how to rank what level of flavor they picked up on there. But as far as what they got, I, I thought that lined up pretty good. And I was wondering if you had tried the white dog there, Edwards. Should I find it? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was pretty good and clean. It's a hunter proof white dog, completely clear, unaged. Taste-wise, you can definitely... Um, tell that it's a fair amount of corn in there like the mash bill indicates it's not completely you know legit corn whiskey and a little bit of the spice does come in there off the rye to me it's interesting to see and if you look at that it kind of helps you realize the flavors you're getting off the white dog and basically kind of how medicinal it is earthy the malt's still there just simply from uh i think because you know straight off you know cooking and being fermented and everything and the, the barrel hasn't had time to kind of transition that out but as it moves and all the flavors that, that come in seemingly from the wood, it really you know, helps you understand and see how much that wood really does dictate and drive a profile. I'm sure there's things in there that are underlying and, and some of those chemical components that need to be in there in order for those reactions to happen and be able to, to pull and pick up those flavors. But when you see just literally how drastically it changes on, on these senses you would pick up from smell and taste, it's interesting. I, I like this more than other stuff because I think almost anybody can relate to it and pick it up. And if you taste both these products side by side, you can really see and appreciate exactly how much that wood really does for this product. I really like this white dog, you know, out of all the shine that we've had, I really like this. I mean, every once in a while, I do like drinking shine. Call me crazy, but I don't mind it. it it's really good and easy to me. And I think this is some, um, I mean, it shows that Greg knows what he's doing because this is a very, very, very good distillate. Yeah. I mean, it'd be a good mixer in plenty of things, I think. For sure. But no, I, th I thought that was was really neat, and um, I would assume they have something similar there, uh, you know, at the distillery and gift shop. That anytime you do a tour, you can go through and you can kind of see that. So, uh, anyone that is snagging these and, and when they go for pickup, uh, look around, see if you can find that, see if they've got any of the white dog out there, because uh, this is definitely you know fun to try them both side by side, and you know, as little as three and a half years how much the products changed and moved in, into what is going to be in the bottle. And it makes me wonder, I know that they always put this stuff out at three years. I would really love to see this at five years, just not saying it's going to be better. Right. But at this point, this is 11 that they've put out at three to four years. I'd just be interested to see how that rye ages for another year, especially with more of a Kentucky rye mash bill where it's not 95.5 and it's the 51% rye with the 45% corn. Yeah. I mean, if this uh, rounded off a little bit and picked up a little bit sweeter tones to kind of counter out that kind of almost like the citrus rind kind of just bitterness you kind of pick up. I mean, this thing would easily be moving into that kind of, uh, you know, crushable status to where maybe a cube, maybe a little splash of water here and there. And uh, it's just right where it needs to be. I'm right there with you. I'm still going to enjoy this for what it is. I'm a fan of what Greg's doing. Keep it up. I love the fact that you are bringing rye to the moonshine distillery. So 
Love you, bud. Love what you're doing. Keep it up. I certainly agree. That we uh, that, that there needs to be some uh, some fundamental whiskey up there in the uh, Gatlinburg aesthetics. Yeah, and Greg is happy to do it. <laughs> Find them up in Gatlinburg. Find us on Facebook at Dad's Rick of Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dads, Instagram at Dad's Rick of Bourbon. Find us wherever you download your podcast. Chances are you already have because you're listening to us right now. Don't forget to pre-order your Roaming Man Rye this Friday, February 26th. Zeke, where else can the folks find us? They can find us in good old Nashville, Tennessee. Cheers. Ciao.